You are listening to a message from Victory. We hope it inspires you to honor God and make disciples in your community. What we'll do in the next nine weeks is we'll journey towards moving everyone to spiritual growth. And we cannot be stuck spiritually. And I know a lot of us, our goal in life is always to move forward. To grow, whether it's in your business, in your relationship, in your finance, in your marriage, in whatever areas, I think there's an aspiration to grow. But one of the things you should consider is your spiritual growth. Because out of my growth in my faith in God, it would now bring life to every area of where I'm in and where God has called me. I remember when uh, Randall was being asked to speak outside, somebody told Randall, Randall, can you speak, but please don't mention God or Jesus regarding financial management. Randall said, I cannot do that. It is the very heart of why I'm now managing my finance really well, and that's why people pay me to speak. Because of my faith in Christ that has pushed me towards success in managing the finances that God has given me. The same way with others like Chinky and all these other guys who are speaking outside in the secular world. They would tell them, you know, can you not speak about your faith? And all of them would say, we cannot do that because it is the very heart of why we are where we are today. This is our driving motivation. This is our force. Christ. Our faith in Christ. And so it is very crucial that for the next nine weeks, you would see it in that eye. In the eye that I need to grow in my walk with God because it will affect every area of my life. Have you ever noticed when you're close to God, your marriage is actually better? When you love Jesus and you worship Jesus and you're obedient to Jesus, things actually are more, far more easy to make major decisions with, uh, with the lens of me obeying God and, and, and living out my faith using the Scripture. That's why, moving forward, we have to get back to the very root that would bring us uh, success, not in the world's standards, but in the eyes of God, And for us to be blessed in every area of life, we need to be very healthy. We don't want just external Christians. External outside, but internally there's no growth. Growth happens on the inside and it flows to every area of my life. In Acts 2.42, when the New Testament church uh, was birthed, it says there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They had this spiritual discipline of going about uh, devoting themselves to the Scripture, devoting themselves to fellowship and church community, and the breaking of the bread, and sharing each other's possession and and in prayer. And that's why the New Testament church was so effective. Because they were, in a way, growing and, uh, and were not stuck. And this is the picture of what we want to do, that the church would continue to move forward. And just like in any organization, whether it's religious or not, healthy organizations grow. Healthy churches grow. And so we need to look at the health of each and everyone in this room. We want you to grow in your walk with God. We don't want you to stay where you are. Now, if you're a baby and you're young, I have a one-year-old baby, and when he eats, it's really messy. Okay, all the food's on the floor, but what do we do? We would say, oh, you're so cute. You're like daddy, right? So, right? Because it's okay. 
But imagine 10 years from now, even 5 years from now, if he continues to mess up during dinner time, it's no longer cute. Let me give you an example. This is a picture of a very cute boy. Okay? That's me. Yeah? Okay. I, I googled cute boy. This came out. So I just had to use it. Just for conscience sake, I had to use what, what came out. So this came out. And imagine if I remain this way. Right? And did not grow. Physically I've grown, but my face would look this way. I would be a freak, right? It's weird. And, and a lot of Christians, in a way, are, are like this. They've never grown. They would aspire for success in all areas of life except spiritual growth. They think it's just a checklist of going to church, reading my Bible, and did not take, uh, 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 there's not much emotion into it and passion into it, and they're stuck. And that's why they look more like this, right? They've never grown. And we don't want you to look like this. We want you to grow in your faith in God and let that faith now be manifested in every area of your life. We don't want you to be success in the outside of the walls of the church, but when you go home, your marriage is not okay because you're not moving in faith and living out biblical principles that God has for us. We don't want you to be a success in your office, but then at the same time knowing there's a lot of skeletons in your closet that would destroy you one day. We want you to grow and move forward and progress in your walk with God so that it can affect every area of your life. So for the next nine weeks, we'll be looking at one man, his life, and and his journey towards spiritual maturity. And we're going to look at the Apostle Peter. Peter is like most of us. There's a Peter in all of us. Peter is a very emotional guy. One of the most outspoken disciples. Right? But then he would have ups and downs in his walk with God. There would be times he would be so on fire for God, there would be times he would deny God. There was a time he said, I want to walk on water. And when he started walking on water, he started looking at the waves of the sea and started drowning. This is the same Peter who said, I'll die for you, you know, but then denied Jesus three times. There's a lot of Peter in us. But the goal is not just to be like Peter, okay, but to... Uh, is not to be Peter or not to be perfect as what others would want us to be, but really, it's progression. We want you to be spiritually, progress, uh, you will progress spiritually. Spiritual progression, not spiritual perfection. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian. But my, our, our prayer would be, one year from now, where I am now and where I am next year, I would have advanced and grown in my walk with God. I would have known Him deeper. There will be lifestyle changes that has happened because of my encounter with Jesus this year. That's why looking back, I would see there's progress. Some people would say the life of a Christian is a roller coaster. It's true in some way, but it should be a roller coaster that keeps going up. Truth, encountering the truth, repenting. And my faith goes to the next level until God exposes something in me and I encounter the truth, I repent, and I go up into a new level of faith. It just goes up and there's progression that happens. So let's look at Peter, and we only have two verses for today. In 1 Peter 2, verse 2 to 3, we'll talk about spiritual disciplines. And we'll talk about the Word of God and why it's so important to have the Word of God in our lives. 
It's just like newborn infants long or crave for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. A very simple verse that we would see pertaining to growth. And I want us to look at some of the key words in this verse. First one, it says like newborn babies. When Paul wrote this, this wasn't to address baby Christians. Baby Christians could be people who are, you know, I'm just new in the Lord, I'm a baby Christian. No, Paul was addressing the church. And he wasn't just addressing the new in the faith, he was addressing those who are also old in the faith. And he was saying, you need to have a posture as that of a baby. Like newborn babies. I have experience for babies. And all my babies, when they were young, when they came out, we wouldn't just let them go and roam on their own. They're very dependent. The posture of a baby, and all babies would do in the first year, is to cry when they want milk. Or if they have to change diapers. They're very entitled people. And as parents, we love them so much, and so we would give them what they want. The only language they know is uwa, 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 right? I'm dependent on you. The posture is as that of newborn babies. That as Christians, I need to picture myself like a baby. Not a baby Christian, but having the hunger as that of a baby. This is a picture of uh, one of our Victory Group member who just became a dad two days ago. Eugene and Ina. They have this baby and if you could see, this baby is very fragile. Ina needs to rest because she feeds the baby. Or else the baby would cry. And when the baby cries and you don't feed, the baby will die. Oh, that's rhyming. Okay, so babies crave for dependence. We're dependent. That's why I'm crying. I need milk. Give me milk. They are always in need. I can't live without the Word of God. That's the posture. Like newborn babies. Kailangan ko to, bigay mo to sa akin, or else I won't stop crying. And babies don't look at time. They don't say, oh, daddy pastor is tired. He needs to preach. No, on a Saturday, 3 a.m., if he wants milk, he'll get milk. Why? Because, doesn't care. The posture of a newborn baby. I can't live without you. have to give it to me. The Bible says in Luke uh, 6, Luke 4, As Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I hope you see the picture of the importance of reading the word as a discipline so that I could grow. Every person who is a success in his area of expertise have disciplines. They have a posture that if I want to succeed here, I need to do everything to make it happen. They're teachable. They crave. They long. They're like newborn babies. And Jesus was saying as a Christian, we cannot live by bread alone. There is something more important than bread. And that is the Word of God. Is this the same posture we have when it comes to the Bible? I don't want to ask a survey with using the hands if who among you here read your Bible regularly. Because uh, I think it is your responsibility. If you're really saying, I'm a child of God, 
and I want to move forward and grow in my faith that you need to have the Word in you. You can't wait next Sunday to get the Word. Because the Word I'm preaching, that's my Word. I prepared for this. I'm just sharing. You need to have your own time with the Lord where you're reading the Scripture. The posture should be like newborn babies. I want to grow. I'm hungry. Continue to stay hungry when it comes to reading the Word of God. It's just like newborn babies. Second key word we'll see is the word crave or long. Crave the Word of God. When you hear the word crave, what comes to mind? Most, most likely it's food, right? We crave. We crave. We deeply desire. Crave means I need to have it. And once I get it, I'll taste every bit of it. That's crave. I need to have it. I cannot not have it. So if I'm craving for Chinese and I ask Jared, we're going to have lunch. Where do you want to eat? Oh, let's go to this Vietnamese. No, no, no. We're, we're having Chinese. I'm just asking, but we're not following you. Okay. I'm craving for Chinese today. And so we're going Chinese, right? Because that's a craving. It doesn't matter what you want. I'm craving for it. I need to have it. And once I have it, I'm eating it up. Every bit of it, I crave. And once you crave for something, what happens? Right? When you start putting that food in your mouth, you want to feel every bit of what? Of MSG, right? Uh, of, of flavor. Okay? And say, ah! Crave satisfied. Crave. Crave means to have an intense desire for, to need urgently, require, to beg earnestly, implore its craving. What that means is, I would trade anything in this world to get this. Like newborn babies crave. Are you willing? Are you, are you willing to go to a point where you, were, you would say, I would trade the Word of God. I would not trade the Word of God for anything in this world. This is so important for me. One of the things that we have to fight for as Christians is what we call fa- familiarity. We become so familiar, especially when you do things regularly, like going to church. Remember the first time you went to church and you saw passionate worshipers? You're looking and saying, What's happening here? First time I went to victory. What's happening here? How come people are so passionate? Why are they lifting up their hands? I couldn't understand. But I was so attracted to the passion, I started lifting up my hands after a month. And I see people dancing. And I, What's happening here? I don't know. But they were craving. There was an intense desire to worship God. And you started doing it until you became a professional worshiper. When I'm okay with God, up to here. Okay? When I'm really desperate, it's here. You, know? you become so familiar with it that when you go to church, it's as if there's a name on your seat and if somebody sits there, you, know, you stare at them. Like, how dare you? That's my holy throne. You become so familiar that you lose the emotion and the passion behind why we're doing it. That's why you have to pray, Lord, may I not be familiar 
May I always be in awe when I read the Word. When you open the Scripture, what do you see? Are you still in awe? Is there a craving to a point that I, I, I would trade anything in this world just to get this Bible? That's the posture. I need the Bible. I remember when I was a youth pastor, a guy was in our worship team. He was so passionate. Some guys, when they play guitar during worship, but this guy was... And he was part of my victory group. So after service, during, after the youth service, we, went our, we had our victory group. And the question was, are you reading the Bible? How are you in reading the Word? And he starts scratching his head and he says, Not, I haven't read my Bible for a long time. And so, just like when somebody did it to me, I did it to this guy. Went straight and said, bro, I see you worship, worshiping so passionately, but you're not reading the word. Let me just tell you the truth. You can't fake the fire. You can't fake passion. There's no content. Not because externally you look like you're okay with God, you're okay with God. You can't grow your stock in your walk with Jesus because you don't even communicate using the word. So for some of us who are saying, I want to really grow in God, the question I have to bring back to you is, are you reading the Word? Do you have the discipline of opening the Scripture and reading through the Scripture, asking God, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Do you have a regular habit of reading the Word of God? As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for Thee, my God. That is the picture that we want every believer to have. I am so thirsty for you and your word. I need to have time reading the Bible. Crave. In Isaiah 31 verse 4, it says, For thus says the Lord to me, As a lion or a young lion growls over his prey. Now the word, the word growls in Hebrew is the word haga. Look at your seat, may say, Haga. Okay, look at your other seat, may sabi mo, Haga pa. Okay, tulog ka na naman. Okay, Haga, to growl, is the same Hebrew word that they use when they use the word meditate. To growl, to meditate. So, Haga is translated as meditate. In Psalm chapter 1, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he Haga day and night. He meditates. He haga. What's haga? What, what do you mean when you growl using the word? Pastor Ferdy would always tell us when we were young, you have to devour the word. So when we read the Bible, yeah. that's why we preach that way since 1984. Even without content, we would shout. Rah! And people would get saved. <laughs> but now we're growing deeper in the word. It's the same word that was used in Psalm 63. When I remember you upon my bed and haggai you in the watches of the night. Have you ever been to bed, couldn't sleep because you're thinking about something? For the single, it could be another person. For the businessman, it could be your business that's prospering or failing. Your haggai, I couldn't sleep. I keep on meditating. It keeps me awake. I haggai. 
day and night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. When he says the lion prowls or haga, we had a dog before, we had to give it away because of our new baby. But when we would buy a bone for our dog, he would chew and, 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 and eat it for weeks. Around three weeks. And every time he would chew on the bone and eat the bone, you would hear a growl. It's the same. It's like a lion eating his prey. The growling. He, in unhurried delight, just keeps on chewing the bone until it becomes really small because he's enjoying it. That is Hagah. That's why the word meditate sometimes is a tame word. Because growling and meditating are two different pictures. But it's the same Hebrew word that was used. When, you, when somebody hagas, like a dog who growls on the bone, what he's doing is he's chewing and eating in unhurried delight. He enjoys it. The same way, that's why sometimes I love to eat in restaurants where it's not buffet. Where a plate would cost 700 to 1,000. Why? You know it should be unhurried. You know there's an agenda. It's a very important date. That's why it's expensive. But have you seen someone in a canteen or a cafeteria eating like that? Gets the grape juice that's worth 25 pesos? No. He gallops it. Why? It's so cheap. The 40 pesos longaniza, he eats it like, he just swallows it. Nobody eats it in unhurried delight. Why? It's cheap. But when it's expensive, you know, when it's cooked by a chef like Roy, a 1,500 plate, there's a small rice, around three (laughs) rice, a beef so small that it can fit inside your nose. And of course, the dessert with the brown chocolate. (laughs) And because you paid for it, you eat it slowly. 200 pesos. You lick even the signature chocolate. Why? That's 150. (laughs) You know the cost. And of course, with your date, you start talking. How's your day? Let's not eat too fast. This is expensive. Right? That's Hagah. I read the word and it's not fast. When it's fast, you miss out on a lot of things. Have you ever tried looking at your wife in unhurried delight? When you just wake up and stare and say, this is the woman I married. Wife, have you done that to your husband? Please don't do it. You might regret it. No, okay. When I stared, unhurried delight. You just know. She does that to me. She counts my eyebrows. Oh, a lot. Right? Unhurried delight of reading the word of God. Crave, meditate, haga, enjoying it. I've been reading my Bible from cover to cover since I was grade 3. But now I've chosen not to. 
Because now I understand what it means to meditate and contemplate and just chew. And I've been going through Romans 1 to 7 the past weeks. Just going back and forth and chewing and eating. He says, like newborn babies crave what? Pure. Pure means unadulterated, organic. It's not a substitute. It's not an alternative. It's the purest milk, which is the main source of nourishment for an infant. Right? That's why babies are encouraged to drink what? Breast milk. Why? Because breast milk is still best for babies. Right? right? Why? Because you want the nourishment that's pure, not coming from a cow, but from the mom. Right? The pure one, not powdered, right? but pure. As much as I love Christian books and literatures, they're not pure. Whether it's written by a friend or written by me, it's not as pure as the word. They would always tell us when we were young, if there's a book that you need to eat 100%, it's a scripture. All other books, you filter. Know what to spit out. All the books you buy in a Christian bookstore, in a Christian section, know how to filter. Know how to spit out. Uh, this is not, not because it says it's a Christian and written by a pastor. You eat everything. So many practices, practices today that are weird because we try to eat not the pure form of the word, the unadulterated word, but opinions of men. That's why we have to be very careful. Let me give you some examples. Okay. In the book of Hesitations 4.12, it says, when God closes one door, He opens another. Have you used that advice? It's not in the Bible. Yung iba, oh, book of Hesitations. Uh, you see, it's so easy to say, Jesus quoted this, Jesus said this to His disciples. Right? Sometimes in our victory group, oh, didn't get the deal. It's okay. When God chooses, closes one door, He opens another. Where in the Bible do you get that? Actually, one more question is, what if God doesn't open another door? Do you quit on your faith? What if it's not the door He wants for you? Because it's not in Scripture. And sometimes we think, Diba, God told Peter... Sometimes we use religious phrases like this as if it's in the Bible. It's not. These are quotes from men. These are tweetable tweets and quotable quotes. Or how about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Bro, God helps those who help themselves. What book is that? Book of James. James Brown actually used it. But if you look at the very heart of the verse, yes, there's some truth in it when it's a practical application, but the very heart and spirit is antithesis of the gospel. You can't help yourself. That's why we need a Savior. The strength that we have as Christians is the strength to admit we cannot. And I need help. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the power of God. I need His love, His grace. For me to move forward. 
And then you use this quote, God helps those who help themselves. Pakabait ka so that you'll be saved. Do good so God would notice you. God helps those who help themselves. Ayos. That's why you have to go back to the pure word. Sometimes we elevate personal experience over essential doctrines in Scripture. It's not in the Bible. Well, I've experienced it. Therefore, it's the truth. Dangerous place to be. When we elevate experience over Scripture, when we elevate certain cultures over the Scripture, how many people have we counseled who believes in a culture that you don't need to leave and cleave when you get married? Oh, it's a Chinese culture, you know, it's okay. Hmm. It's the same couples crying to us. It's the same woman crying to us, complaining how they're li- living in under the under under the the authority of the the in-laws. You see, sometimes we elevate personal experience over scripture. And that's where the problem happens. You have to go back to the pure word. And then it says what? Spiritual milk. Spiritual milk is the Bible itself. Okay. You go back to scripture. As what I said, as much as I love devotions. Those are notes from other people whom you don't even know. We want to encourage you to open the scripture and read through the word. Whether you understand it or not. I started when I was in grade 3. I don't understand 80% of what I read. But it is the journey of me opening up the scripture and it now making sense. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church, does not make sense to a grade 4 student like me before. But now, oh, I hold on to it. Because I'm married. But it took a lot of going back to Ephesians 5 for it to be rooted in my own life. When you crave, there's an unhurried delight on the spiritual milk. Okay? And let me give you an example. I'm going through Romans 1 to 6, 7. And two days ago, I was in Romans 6. Somebody gave me this Bible, the journaling Bible. And so now I write my journals in the Bible. There's a side space for me to write my thoughts. Right? And it's a good idea. Uh, I think you can buy one there. And again, this is expensive, so you need to haga. All right? But I went through chapter 6 and... You know, sometimes you read through scripture, you read fast, you skim, checklist, I'm done. But now I said, I'm haggaiing the word. And so as I go through Romans 6, something hit me. It says in verse 17, but thanks be to God, that whereas ye were servants of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching whereunto you were delivered. And being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. So I was reading through this, and something hit me for the first time. I know I know this, but I've never seen it this way. And I started to underline verse 17, where it says, Having have become obedient from the heart. Whoa! I said, whoa, it's here? I started to underline because I was chewing. I saw this verse like, like it was new. 
obedient from the heart. It hit me so hard, I had to stop and I had to pray and contemplate. Am I obeying God from the heart or do I obey externally? When I parent my kids, do I parent them to touch their heart or just to change externally? I had to pause. That instead of going to Romans 7, I ended in Romans 6 and started praying through the scripture of what I've learned. Obedience from the heart. How many kids today would have loved the gospel if we taught them obedience from the heart and not by external rules? How many advices have we given out of obedience externally? Just don't do it. Why? Because you're a Christian. Okay? Or obedience from the heart. Why did you do it? What happened? Mm-hmm. Okay? So what do you think God is, ex- is exposing in your heart? Why you did that? Oh, maybe. Okay? So now we're seeing something that's not yet being dealt in your heart. Oh, so you, you, you got pissed off. You shouted because you felt like, what? Oh, they didn't follow you. You lost control, okay. Mm, okay. So I think this is something we need to deal with. Your heart wants control all the time. And that could be an idol in you that you need meant to, to be aware of. The need for control. You know, there are things in life that are out of your control and it's in God's hands. So when you now minister to the heart, what happens? Instead of just addressing the, he got pissed off and you should stop getting pissed off because you're a Christian, you now go to the heart because the very root was actually what? The need for control. And because it was out of control, he got mad. Going to the heart. Obedience that comes from the heart. You see, so, wow. This is too much for me already. I need to close my Bible and pray. Why? Because you haga, you meditate. But imagine if you scheme through it. Will you see this? You won't. But once you chew on it, you'll start to see. First Peter 1, look, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through what? The living and enduring Word of God. Before we were not Christians, and when we were born again, what happened? He says, you were born again because of what? Of the living and the enduring Word of God. That's why he says, continue to remain in that posture like newborn babies. Why? You were born again because of the living Word. When it says living Word, it means it's active. It goes to you. It ministers to you. That's why you don't read the Bible just for as recreation or even for academics. It should be transformative. A lot read the Bible for information. Don't read the Bible for information unless that's your job. But read the Bible because you want to be transformed. Read the Bible in the lens of not... God, what do I need to add ingredients for my life so that you can bless it? But rather, Lord, I'm reading it because I want to be transformed. I want it to be your agenda, not my will, but your will. And so now, Lord, 
guide me through the scripture so that I can be transformed. He says, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. For a wise person, you have to see that my investment should be something that is eternal. Everything in this world, in this world, would fall and wither. Your business, the relationships that we have, but the word of God endures forever. How much of the word is in you? Do you invest in the Bible? Do you invest reading the word and knowing God and going deeper through the scripture? Remember, we do not read the Bible to get God to participate in our lives. I hope you don't read the Bible for, for that reason. But we read the Bible to get us to participate with God on His terms. Lord, I want to be transformed by Your Word. That should be your prayer. Lord, as I open the Scripture today... Lord, let this word, the living word of God, transform me. Expose any sin, any idolatry. Expose anything that I need to know. Let the Bible be a mirror so that I could see my, my need for God. And how, Lord, you can transform me. When we read, we meditate, and we contemplate the scripture in an hurried delight, what do we start to see? start to see transformation happen. Because now you're, f- you're focused, you're dialed in to what you're reading and you're saying, Lord, I want this to be transformative for me. That's why I'm meditating on the Word. And then he says, First Peter 2 verse 3, If indeed you have tasted, the Lord is what? Good. Once you taste, once you Once you get the art of spiritual reading, of slowing down, looking at it, you will start to taste and see that the Lord is good. And what happens? You keep coming back for more. You want more. You know that the only way to move forward is to get to the Word. If my relationship with the Lord is healthy, It affects every area of my life. When prosperity comes and success comes, it won't destroy me. It enhances me. Why? Because I'm grounded in the Word. I have the Word of God in me. It guards me from lust. It guards me from greed. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the power of the scripture. That's why I want you to read the Bible. I don't want to guilt trip you into reading the Bible. Because I want obedience that comes from the heart. It's your choice now. All I'm saying is, once this word is in you, it will affect every area of your life. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. I want to end with Joshua 1.8. It says, keep the law, the book of the law, always on your lips. Meditate. Haga. On it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful.
as we get the word of God in us, the discipline of reading the word, it affects every area of our lives. And that's why we started with this today. As we go through nine weeks, we want you to start. For some of you, you don't have a Bible yet. We want you to buy one. Don't make it the goal to read the whole Bible in one year. Read one chapter a day. Read ten verses. But chew, eat, unhurried delight. Download if you don't have budget. It will be good to buy one because you download, it's free. You swallow. Expensive. There's a cost. You read. Get a notebook. Start writing down, Lord, what do you want to say? What are my observations? What are the things that I need to apply in my life? Things you're exposing in me. And start writing those down. And I want you to take it slowly and chew it. And then you end in a prayer saying, Lord, whatever I read today, Lord, may it do a a difference. May it transform me. May it change me. Lord, when you said in your word, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Lord, you said those in the middle of your fasting. When you were so hungry. Lord, when the flesh was craving for real food, you uttered the words, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Lord, may we have the posture as that of a newborn baby who would cry and cry and cry, asking, Lord, I need your word. I need my milk. Lord, let it be the hunger that we would have as your people, as your church. Lord, that reading the scripture is something that is of utmost importance to our everyday routine. Because we know it is the word that would give us life. It is the word that transforms. It is the word that gives us faith. Faith comes from hearing the word. So I pray God, let your word, let there be a spiritual hunger for your word today. Lord, may we see that apart from the discipline of reading your word, there will be no growth. So I pray today, may we develop that hunger. Lord, do a work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, bring about conviction if we take your word lightly. I pray, Lord, that today we would embrace. Lord, that we would devour the word of God. Lord, that we would growl, haga, meditate on this word. Thank you because your word is powerful. It's living and active. It changes, it pierces the hearts. So I pray, Lord, that let your word transform us today. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.